0: Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk.
1: Here's Richard Ellis. The message title today is Free Love. And some of you from the 60s will know exactly what that means. And interestingly enough, I looked up the definition in Webster's for free love, and it's in there, and it dates back to 1822. I guess it's been going on since then. I know a lot longer than that, really. But here's the definition for free love. The practice of living openly with one of the opposite sex without marriage, or two, sexual relations without any commitments by either partner. Free love. Now, I'm going to talk to you about another kind of free love, and here's why. If you've never done the church thing, or this is your first time in a long time, or if you've been doing it a long time and everything maybe seems to be clicking and firing and making sense, but still there's some things that are just not quite sure. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about this love thing today. Some people say, oh, you can't talk about the love of God because there's the law of God. There's the wrath of God. There's the just side of God. You know, you can't swing so much the love way. Let me tell you something. We weigh so heavily usually towards this angry God who's going to crush and smash everybody. I don't think anybody ever even figures out how much he loves us. You have got to pour a slab of godly love or you're going to build on a shaky house, guys. There are people I know, and I'm one of them who spent years trying to get God to love me. How do you get somebody to love you who already says they love you? It's a done deal. I kept trying to perform and do something, say something, live in a certain way, jump through a certain number of hoops, and say, Okay, God, we had a pretty good day today. Do you love me? Or, God, look how this week went. Or, man, look, I gave a little money. God, look, I'm writing a check. You love me now? And try to get this God of the universe to accept me and get to a place where I was happy and I could trust Him. Now the Bible says very clearly, and I'm going to go left to right, so turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7. I'm going to try to do this, and I don't have to do them sequentially like this, but I think it's easier for you. You just start left and move right, and we'll find a whole lot easier. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 7. Now listen, the Lord did not set His love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. He's talking about the people of Israel. For you were the least of all peoples, but because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now read it again with me. The Lord did not set his love on you, didn't decide to love you or choose you because you were like more in number than anybody on the planet. You were the least of all the people he could have picked. It started out with Abraham. He didn't even have any kids when this thing went down. God just said, I love you. You cannot take the Bible and start from Genesis and go through the thing, guys, and not understand the underlying premise here is that God is love. The whole thing is about that he loved us and you read all this law and all these things and ceremonial sacrificial systems and say, gosh, this is the most complicated God, and what does He want from me? And man, i got to perform and do this or that. The underwriting fact is not just that He loves us, and we'll get to this verse. It's not just that He loves us. The very nature of His character, the Bible says, He is love. He is the personification of love. The God of the universe is love. You can't get away from it, and I'm going to show you some verses like that too. Why did He set His love on you? Why does He do what He does? Verse 8, But because the Lord loves you. Now I'm going to say this over and over and over again, and if you get the tape, listen to it over and over and over again, because it's not me, it's Scripture I'm reading. Okay. And if you know somebody who struggles with whether God loves them, give them the tape. you got to get this in your head. Because if you don't understand, basically, that He loves you, you're going to spend the rest of your life jumping through hoops trying to perform for some God, And it doesn't work. You're not going to do anything to get him to love you any more than he already does in Christ. And you're not going to not do anything. You can't get him to love you more or any less. It just is a solid, concrete, fixed love that he has for us because of what Jesus did. And you can't change it. Now, I had a conversation about this this week with somebody. You say, but you could abuse that kind of love. You sure can. We do it every day. But I'm telling you, if you ever really understand the love of God, you will not abuse the love of God. The more you understand this love and realize God loves me so much and His grace is so incredible, and I could basically go do whatever I want to do and He'd still love me and still forgive me, That's unbelievable, but why if you knew of that kind of love and it was so costly, so precious that it had cost God his own son to give you that kind of relationship with him, why would you go out and do whatever you wanted to do if it was so expensive? You wouldn't. You wouldn't waste it. You would find it the most precious thing you'd ever discovered. But if you do screw up, and we all do at some point, it is awesome to know that he is going to accept me in Christ, that He is going to love me, that I can trust His love for me, and it's not going to go away or change. All right, turn over to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31.3. In the context here is God talking about restoring Israel. You can read the verses before and after at some point, but basically verse 3 is where we're going to hit. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. What is an everlasting love? It's a love that lasts forever, guys. God decided before the foundation of the world that He would love you. It is a done deal. The Bible says while we were yet sinners that He died for us. Before anything was created, anything happened, God said, you know what? I see the whole deal. They're going to screw up. I love them. I'm going to make a way for them to be restored in this relationship with me. I'm going to give my own son. You cannot change the fact that he loves you. All right, flip over to Matthew. Matthew 22:37. 37. Well, they call him a lawyer here, not in the same sense the word a religious lawyer. He knew all the law in the religious sense. He comes and tries to trick Jesus, and what does he say to Jesus? What is the greatest commandment in the few verses before? And Jesus said to him in verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot do that. What he just said there, you cannot do until what? Until you know and understand that he loves you. I don't even have any love for God until I understand I have love from God. You can't trust a God that doesn't love you. If you don't know He loves you, and you don't know He's on your side, and you don't receive love, you have no love to give back. So the underwriting, understood truth here is that He loves you. And when you understand that, then you can love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then, once you do that, you can love your neighbor as you love yourself. All right, now track with me. If you don't know God loves you, you can't love God. If you don't love God and you don't know He loves you, you probably can't love yourself. You're not going to love yourself any more than you believe God loves you. Do you all understand that? If you beat yourself up and say you're about this big, you're no good, God will just squash you because of who you are and what you do. Guys, if it's based on who we are and what we do, we all deserve to be wiped out. That's what the book says. It's not about performance. It's about that he loves us. So when you know he loves you, then you can love yourself. And then what can you do? You can love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I've said this before. One of our biggest problems is we do just that. We love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I don't know God loves me, so I don't love God very much. And because he doesn't love me, I don't love me very much. And I don't love me very much, so I can't love my neighbor very much. And that's the problem. Nobody loves anybody very much because they don't know God loves them. This is where this thing starts. Flip over to John 3. John 3, verse 16. Here's what it said. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Does it mean that they'll never die physically? No, that you would never die spiritually. But what's the whole thing about that God loved the world so much? His motivation was that He loved the world so much that He gave and I'm going to read you some verses here about this gift thing. When you give somebody something, guys, it is understood that you can't pay for it. A gift, by nature, is something that cannot be purchased. You can't perform to deserve it. It is something that's offered to you, and you take it as a gift, and you say, thank you, or you say, no, thank you, I can't afford this gift. You can't afford any gift, because a gift cannot be purchased. It can only be received, offered and received. So the motivation in John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. All right, flip over to John chapter 15, verse 13. And I think once you read this, you'll agree with what it says. Greater love has no one than this. What is the ultimate thing that someone could do for you to prove that they love you? Than to lay down one's life for his friends. There's nothing you can do. That would be more dramatic, more revealing about how you care about someone if you said, you know what, if it comes down to you dying or me dying, I'll die for you. That's love. Look down at verse 16, that same chapter. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Now look what he says. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I have appointed you for a purpose. Guys, there is no one, the Bible says, that seeks after God. There's nobody that's righteous. You don't have anything in you that's going to track you to God unless God came looking for you first. Don't you think for a second that, oh, well, I'm not really going to talk to God right now. I'm not interested in that. I have some things I want to do with my life. And then when I'm in my 40s, I'm going to go looking for God and do whatever He wants me to do. You may never hear his voice again. And for some of you, you think about these things, something stirs in your heart, and you go, oh my gosh, i got to do something about this. But a voice says, you know, don't get all wacky and been out of shape. You're not going to be some kind of Jesus freak, are you? Don't give up on all the real free love out there. Why abandon your life? You're happy. You're going to be okay. And another voice says, do something about this. Today, if you hear his voice, the Bible says, do not harden your heart. If you hear him talking, guys, respond and say, God, I hear you talking, and I know you're talking to me. You did not choose me. Flip over to Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Somebody died for you. Somebody died for me 2,000 years ago when I wasn't even being considered by anybody. That's so many generations removed They hadn't even thought about me. He died 2,000 years ago when you did not even exist. He knew you were coming. He knew you'd need help. He knew you'd be looking for happiness. He knew you'd be looking for acceptance. He knew you'd be looking for somebody to trust. And he says, I'm going to tell him that I love him. And there's no greater love that anybody has for anybody than to lay down their life. So I'm going to let my own son die for him. And if that doesn't do it, nothing will. And that's the truth. I talk to people all week, all the time, explain this thing, and some people just look me in the eye. I can't talk anybody into this Christianity thing, but I'm going to tell you something. When I tell this story of a God who says He loves us, and He gave His Son, died, buried, raised from the dead, some people's eyes light up. You know why? Because it's the greatest story they've ever heard, that God really does love them, and that they can't pay, but they don't have to. And it's an absolutely free gift. And no matter what they do, where they go, they can't get away from this God and His love. All right, look over at Romans 8, just a few pages over. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God, now listen, ask yourself this question. If God is for us, and that's the question. Some people never get that answered. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Now see, my problem for a long time was I didn't really believe God was for me, so I thought then he was against me. Now, if God is against you, you are in big trouble. If you find yourself on the other side of the fence, on the other side of the battle lines from God, you are in a heap of trouble. But if God is for you, then the answer is nobody can be against you. Who's going to go up against God? Nobody can take Him. Keep reading with me. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's going to come in a legal sense and say, I have this charge, I have this accusation against one of your people? It's not going to be God It says he's the one who's made us just, who's declared us just, that said, no, the way I see it, they're perfect. Who is he who condemns, or anybody that can sentence you because of something you've done legally? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. So legally, there's nobody that can come and condemn you. There's no one in the previous verse that can even bring a charge against one of God's people. You can't get any safer than that. You have legal immunity. You can't be touched because of what God has done through Christ. Now look at the next verse, 35. Now think about this, guys, because this is where I got in trouble. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now somebody does because we get away from it. We do something. Now here's how this works. I go out tomorrow, I live my day, I screw up, and my first thought is, oh my gosh, something has separated me from the love of Christ. Something's gone bad. Something's gone wrong. My relationship is shot. Where'd God go? Where'd God go? Where does His love? God doesn't love me anymore because I've done this thing. Now listen close. Everybody in this room is tracking this deal. You're living this way day after day, week after week. You get on a little spiritual high and you think God loves you and you love Him and the sun's out and there's no clouds. Your car is clean. Whatever it takes, you know, to float your boat you got everything happening. You go, oh, God loves me, I just feel it. Let me tell you something, whether you feel it or not, He loves you. It doesn't matter how you feel, He still feels love for you. You cannot get away from this God and His love. And it is not determined by what you do or what you don't do. It just keeps coming. God will no more shut His love off when you screw up than He would shut oxygen off. Now think about this. What if every time you got sick, the great fear was not that you would be sick, but that the oxygen would go away. And you'd find yourself gasping for air, and your health determined whether you could breathe and even stay alive. It'd be a nightmare. You'd never be afraid of being sick. He said that you're going to die. You'd be just this roller coaster thing. God's love is like oxygen. It's like air, guys. It's not going to go away. It's not going to change. It's just there. Whether you feel it or know it or sense it or not, it just keeps coming and going, coming and going, inside and out of you. It's just something that exists. Who will separate us from the love of Christ then? And he gives a list. Tribulation, shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword... As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now listen to what he writes. This is Paul writing, and he says this, For I am persuaded, I am convinced, I don't have a doubt in my mind, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities or powers, whether it's an angel, a demon, I don't care who it is, nor things present, anything going on right now in my life, or anything that's coming that I haven't even seen yet, nor height, there's nowhere that I can go into the heavens high enough, nor depth in the deeps of the ocean, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's good news. You can't get away from this God. You can't get away from His love. And you say, well, I don't even know that I'm a Christian. I don't even know if I buy into all this stuff. Let me tell you something. The fact you're sitting here or sitting somewhere listening to this message means that God is after you. And whether you love Him or not, He decided before you were ever born, He was going to love you with all your crap, all your past, all your stuff. And you're not going to get away from Him. And you say, well, I'm going to try for five more years and go screw up as much as I can and see if that gets me away from Him. You can't get away he just keeps loving you. Now, how can He love us? Because of who we are? Just accept us the way we are? No, the Bible talks about the fact that He accepts us in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, between verses 3 and 14 in there, just the first part of Ephesians, there are words like this that are used. That He has chosen us, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That He has adopted us as sons by Jesus Christ. Verse 6, He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood. We've been bought back. We have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Guys, it uses word after word, chosen, holy, perfect, complete. God says that because of what Jesus did, if you are in Christ and you accept what He did for you on the cross, when God looks at me, I don't care what you see, I care what God sees. And when God looks at me, if I am in Christ and I have said, God, I can't get me in, but Jesus can, so I'm putting my trust in Him, you're looking for somebody to trust, trust Him. And because He died, I don't have to. Because he paid, I don't have to pay. And even if I screw up, there's forgiveness and I can go back. I'm talking about a personal relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. And when he looks at you in that relationship and he looks at me, now guys, it may take a while to believe this. But when He looks at me in that relationship, you know what He sees? Not what I look in the mirror and see. Because see, I can come up with all kinds of reasons why He shouldn't love me, why I'm a screw-up, the things I think, the things I say, the things I do, the places I go. God's not looking at that. He's looking at Jesus. And when He sees you, He sees you holy, perfect, complete, without blame, righteous, forgiven. You say, but that's not what I see. Then maybe you need to start seeing yourself the way He sees you, not the way you see and I'm telling you, if you see yourself the way He sees you, you're going to live different. You're going to expect something out of you you don't expect now. Because right now, if you don't know He loves you and you don't think He accepts you and you don't think you're perfect or complete or it's all done, then you say, well, i got to do something to get there. You can not get there. You're already there. Not on your own, but in Christ. I'm telling you guys, you want to rest. You want to be happy. You want to have your life go a lot smoother. I'm not saying some bad things can't happen to you, but this is a dream way to live. It doesn't get any better than this. I don't spend my life trying to do things and help somebody trying to get God to love me. I just live. I can't change the fact that he loves me. Now, if you don't know that, you don't understand this book. And I am determined, no matter how long it takes, because I can teach you Greek words, I can teach you theological stuff, doctrinal issues. This is doctrine. If you don't know what doctrine is, this is doctrine. This is theology. You have got to understand experientially, personally, not just in your head, in your heart and life, that you cannot get away from this God's love. Because if you don't have that slab poured, all this other stuff you build is not going to make a bit of sense to you. You're going to have information in your head and no relationship to match it with. All right, flip over to... We'll read just a couple more and then we're out of here. Ephesians chapter 3, last few verses. Ephesians chapter 3, let's start with verse 14. Just keep going to the right. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And here's the prayer that Paul is praying here for him. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, this new man, the Christian person, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, look where the roots and the grounding comes in, in love, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth, what is the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He's saying, I want you to understand this thing, not just in your head, but with all the saints being rooted and grounded in love, how high, how wide, how deep. It is huge. It's awesome, guys. There is no running out. This reserve never ends. It is everlasting love. And you can't get away from it. You can't stop it. It just is. You know why it is? Because God just is. And if He is love, then it's not going anywhere. It isn't going to stop. All right. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. What kind of love? Not just that God would love us, but that he would call us his children. God's decided to call you his child, to adopt you. Back to Ephesians 1. All right, look over at 1 John three sixteen. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How do you know he loves you? Because he gave his son to die for you. He laid his life down for you. 1 John 4.8, we're going to read three or four verses out of this, and then we're done. 1 John 4.8, now listen to this. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent, here's how he proved his love, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins or to take the place for our sins. It's not that I loved Him, but that He loved me. And then look down at verse 19, and this sums it up. 1 John 4, 19, we love Him because He first loved us.
0: We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program, our mission is actually very simple to take the planet so it's our prayer that these daily talks from richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy but that they inspire you to share with others together we can do this the message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear and that's why it's such a priority to us so join us in this important mission call us at 855-6-richard to say you're in or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us.
1: It's free love. Now, it's free to me and it's free to you, but let me tell you something. It cost God everything. The most precious thing He has is who He is. The God of the universe says they're not going to make it without me. And what I'll do is I'll go be born of a virgin in a dirty stall like everybody else, except that I'll be without sin. I'll live a perfect life. I'll suffer and die on a cross, be buried and raised from the dead so they can get it. So they'll understand, not that I'm saying I love them, but they can see that I love them because there's no greater love than that a man lay down his life for somebody else. And he did it. He doesn't just talk about this stuff. He does it. That's as simple as I can put it, guys. It's a gift. It's free love.
0: You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks, we really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6Richard or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us, richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.